0: to everyone this morning and if you are a guest this morning we are so happy to have you in service with us today. It's a holiday weekend. And if you're watching us online this morning, wherever you're watching from, we welcome you as a part of this service today as well. And my wife has already said it but it's good to have all of the kids with us in service this morning and uh... I'm sure some of you parents probably a little bit mixed feelings about that but that's okay make you appreciate next week a little bit better I do want to remind you uh, starting up next Sunday morning I think it is, yes uh, there will be uh, Sunday school will be uh, taking two year olds Uh, that hasn't happened since COVID so expanding Next Sunday, Amen. Boy, it's such an excitement just rippled through here from a, from a few people, Amen. And uh, I, I said it, I think, last Sunday morning. But actually, our Sunday school staff is uh, using this morning for some, uh, I think, planning and whatever. And um, I, I said it last week though. I, I deeply appreciate them because i know without a doubt that uh, they don't they don't do what they do from the perspective of just babysitting i believe that our our sunday school staff is very invested and they believe in the importance of what they're doing and it it shows i appreciate them and um, saying, well, they're not here. Well, I I interrupted their meeting for a moment and told them that this morning as well. I, I appreciate them. Luke chapter 16. it's it's not necessarily based on you know an actual person but it's the principle but when there's things like this it's letting you know this is not just a parable because it says there was a certain and I think it's important in passages especially like this because of what's being addressed you need to know this is not just speaking in parables this is this is speaking in in Things that are actuality. So a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. That's kind of another thing you won't find in a parable is the name of a person. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. When it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is come." And thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Going back to verse number twenty-two, it says, It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels. Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. I want to preach to you this morning for a little bit on this subject. Carried or buried? Carried or buried? Father, thank you for your presence, your wonderful presence in this place today. Thank you for the privilege once again to come together with other believers to lift up and exalt the name that's above every name. I pray, God, that you would minister through your word in this service this morning. I pray, God, that there would be hearts that are open to receive what you would desire to say, that we would be impacted by your word. I pray again today, Father, that this would not just simply be a sermon, because that's what's expected when we gather together, but let me be a messenger that would deliver a word that would come from you, that would impact our lives for eternity. I trust you today. I depend on you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seen Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 15, if we have hope in this life only, then we are of all men most miserable. Can I tell you the primary purpose of Christianity is not to fulfill your American dream. It's not about having your best life now. I don't know about you, but I find there's oftentimes a difference between what God determines is my best life now and what I think my best life now is. My best life now is no pain in my body, no issues in my body, no issues in my family. It's a brand new vehicle. It's a beautiful house. It's great vacations. It's eating sumptuously. That, that's what my best life is. But oftentimes God determines that our best life here and now is very different than that. Oftentimes your best life here and now involves pain and suffering. It involves disappointment and letdown. It involves dreams that don't go the way you dream them. Because ultimately, God is not most concerned with giving you your best life now. I would rather have my best life in the next life that is eternal than to have my best life in this life that is temporal. I realize those that are older than me when I make Points like this, I feel like, if not literally, at least figuratively, you're just shaking your head at me. And I'm getting it more and more every day. But at 50 years old, I cannot believe that I am. Where did 50 years go? What happened to it? Life is but a vapor. Those that are 70 and 80, I don't know if we got any 90s in this place today. We do, my grandmother, that's right. I I that it's the same thing. How did I get here? So why do you want your best life here when it's all just for a moment when you can have your best life that is for eternity? I wonder if there's anybody here today that's glad you've got a name written down in glory. And it's your name. And because of your name being written down in glory, you've got some hope, not just in this life, but in the next life to come. I I, I got a question. If I could offer you, uh, let's just say a vacation. If I could offer you an all-expenses vacation and i said okay here's 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 the here's the here's one of two options the first option is a a uh a limousine with a chauffeur is going to pull up to your 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 house your apartment wherever you live and and uh he's going to carry all of your luggage he's going to take everything and put it in to the limousine and and uh and uh there's going to be sparkling cider and um other beverages along the lines of sparkling cider, and uh, and and uh, you know you you're gonna have control of the temperature in the in the back of the limousine. There's gonna be some some hors d'oeuvres back there for all of you that don't know what hors d'oeuvres is. That's just fancy name for snacks. So. It's all gonna be there. It's gonna have satellite TV available that you can watch something while you're going. And and he's gonna take you to the airport. And when you get to the airport, you're you're not forget flying first class. He's gonna take you to your own private personal jet that it's only gonna be you and your family, whoever's with you on that jet, and and uh, it, I mean, it's going to be the top of the line. It's going to have a, a, you know, a king size bed, full shower. It, it's going to have a, a flight attendant that's going to provide you all your, your you know, serve you if you want. We're going to have a menu, steak, lobster, whatever else, and, and it's all going to be freshly prepared and and uh, so you're, you're going you're to fly, and then when you, when you land at your destination, there's going to be another limousine. You're not, again, no, no carrying your luggage, none, none of that. It's all going to be taken care of. And uh, they're, they're going to take you to your destination, and uh, they're going to escort you to your, your dwelling place. And when they walk you up to your dwelling place, it is going to be the most horrible-looking shack you have ever seen. Rat infested roaches, dirty bed sheets, nasty bathroom. The worst you can imagine, that's where you're going to stay. Option number one, door number one. Door number two is... There's gonna be this tractor trailer that's hauling cattle. And you gotta ride in the back with the cattle to the airport. When you get to the airport, there's gonna be a C seventeen. There's gonna be a big old military cargo plane. Got anybody ever been in the flown? I thought we probably did. Never been in one, but I'm really familiar with them because I watch a lot of TV shows with them. You're going to get some of them that I've seen in pictures, some moving pictures. I don't even know how to describe it. Maybe you can help me there, brother. It's like a, it's like these, mesh is not the word, but this netted looking back, and, and I don't even know what... Doesn't doesn't bench seat? Doesn't recline? No flight attendant They don't, don't even know they have seat belts. No flight attendant. I'm assuming there's still a bathroom somewhere. I guess. I don't. Negative. Oh man, negative. Man, that's crazy because some of them flights are long flights. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to fly on that. Carry your own stuff. In fact, you can't even take stuff. All you get is what's on your clothes and your back. And then you're going to, when you arrive to your destination, you're actually going to have to walk 15 miles to get to where you're going to stay. And then when you finally make that 15-mile journey after a miserable flight, and travel experience. There's going to be these walls, and you can't really see what's behind these walls. And Finally, somebody's going to open this gate. And you're going to walk through, and five stars isn't even enough to rate the beauty and the luxury of where you're about to stay. I got a question. Door number one, great traveling and all that, or door number two? How many? I'm pretty sure everybody will take number door number two. How sad it is, though, so many people are living based on door number one. Because you're more concerned about the journey. You're more caught up in the trip than in where you're going. I don't care how wonderful the traveling experience is, if the destination is not enjoyable, who cares? I've had a few miserable traveling experiences, not as miserable as the back of a cargo plane, I will say. But I, I've had a few miserable traveling experiences, but the destination was what I cared for. And I could endure some miserable traveling experiences because of my expectation of the destination I was going to. I think one of my worst traveling experiences was the first time I ever went to the Philippines. I flew from here to Detroit, and I met a uh, another preacher that I was going to the Philippines with. And we left from Detroit. We got into the air. We were in the air probably about two hours or so. And uh, and uh, the, the, one of the one of the crew members comes on the speaker and says, um, "We we have uh, one of our crew members is having a medical emergency." And uh, we're trying to figure out what to do, and so we are in touch with the Mayo Clinic, and uh, when we find out, we will we will let you know. And so we we keep going, and finally they come back on, and they say um, we we've been uh, we we've been instructed we're going to land in Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, so that this crew member, which we found out later, this crew member was one of the pilots. They left that piece of information out. We're gonna we're going to uh, land in Anchorage, Alaska. We're gonna put you up in a hotel room for the night. And uh, so we we land. It's like eleven, twelve o'clock at night in Anchorage. They keep all of our luggage. All we got was our carry on. They bus a whole plane of people. In buses to hotels, you get there, you got, you know, a few hours to sleep, and then they're picking you up at like 6 a.m. Come to find out what happened was one of the pilots was eating his dinner, and a piece of meat got lodged in his esophagus. And so uh, they they took him to the hospital, and in just a matter of a few moments with some medicine or whatever, it took care of itself, and he was fine. So we, we leave Anchorage. We had a layover in Japan, we get to Japan, and guess what? We missed our flight. So what was supposed to be a couple-hour layover now is like double or triple, and so we finally get a new flight, and then we fly into Manila, and guess what happened now in Manila? We missed another flight, and so we end up spending the night in Manila and in the airport, finally flying out at like 7 a.m. We fly out at 7 a.m. to the city in the Philippines, we were heading to, got to the hotel room about 9 a.m., got picked up at 9.30 to go to church. That was fun. It was miserable. But it wasn't about the trip. My focus was on the destination. You see, there there are two men in this story, one of which... Had the travel experiences of travel experiences... He 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 wore fine clothes. He was dressed in the nicest of of attire. He ate sumptuously. He he ate the best of the best. He had everything there was and and then there's this guy that he doesn't even have any time for that's living outside his house that doesn't have all of that who is living the most miserable of lives but they both come to the end. What's interesting in that story is the sequence in which it says they die because it was Lazarus who died first. And the guy who had everything, he, he died secondly, which sometimes seem to, seems to be the case. Those that, those that, you know, those that have it all, and yet that just seems like everything is always going fairly well for them. Let me tell you a little secret why, and that is because this is their heaven. And I think there are those that God, because He knows the outcome of their lives is such, this is their heaven. He lets them enjoy as much of it now as they can, because they're about to spend an eternity of misery. I don't know what it is about holiday weekends. I wish I could have preached last Sunday morning's message this morning. That was a lot more fun and enjoyable. Then there are those that it seems like. I've watched people in my lifetime growing up. I've watched people in my 15 plus years now of being pastor of of this congregation. I've watched people that it seems like week after week after week, it's a new problem, it's a new situation, it's a new sickness, it's a new tragedy, and and there are some people I sit and I'm like, God, how in the world can you let more pile up on them? Because the bottom line is, this is their hell. And whatever it, however bad it gets down here, that's the worst it's ever going to be. How much misery they experience down here is going to be the extent of the misery. Because while they may be on a very unenjoyable journey, there is a destination that they are going to. That when they reach that destination, everything they've been through down here, every heartache and pain to get to that destination in just a single moment is all going to be wiped away. Says that Lazarus died. When Lazarus died, he was carried by the angels. He got an escort when he died. When the when the rich man died, he was just he was just buried. You study out that verse, and in some of the commentaries say that that you know he probably had a pretty you know awesome funeral with pomp and circumstance and splendor but the outcome of it was he was buried Lazarus probably had no funeral probably had no celebration of life but something different happened when he passed away he was not just simply buried but he was carried the old song says What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face the one who saves me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day. What a glorious day that will be. There may be some unglorious days down here. There may be some heartache and pain. There may be some tribulation that I go through down here, but that's okay. I've got my eyes fixed on my destination. I've got my heart set that whatever I go through down here, however miserable it may be, there's a day that I'm living for and I'm not going to get buried. I'm going to get carried. I'm entering in a new phase. Many of you have already kind of been there, but I'm entering. In, I'm entering a new phase, and it's it's a it's a sobering phase. And that is, you know, there's always people throughout your life that pass away, and a lot of times, you know, there are people that die young because of unexpected things, disease, accidents, etc. But but then there's also those that live a fairly full life. And because they've made it to the end, their their time is now come. And so the past several years, I've been watching that more and more. Whether it's people that I just have friendships or family relationships with or people who have impacted my life. And this past week, as I mentioned on uh, Realm the other day mentioned Thursday night this past week. One of those people in my life has at, at 80 plus years old, not young, not an unexpected. He's run his race, he's finished his course. You can't go on the news outlets and hear anything celebrating the life of William Cisco. You 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 won't go on to secular media sources and find anything about his passing. There will be no camera crews from all of the major news outlets that are at his funeral to cover it. There probably won't even be local news that's at the funeral. Can I tell you what's going to happen on Tuesday evening? There is a great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews tells us about. There is a great cloud of witnesses that are celebrating that someone else has fought his fight and kept the faith and finished the course And while there may not be a whole lot of pop and circumstance in this world, by the world, heaven is taking note that there's someone else that has run their race, that had their eyes fixed on the fact it wasn't about living for this life. Because if all you're doing is living for this life, you are of all men most miserable. You can choose to live in a way that you end up just buried. That's it. Although that's not it. Because either way, when you die, it's really the beginning. This really isn't the beginning. This really isn't the beginning. I don't know why we do. We know of at least one. There's some others here that I know of. Forgive me for forgetting you right now. But man, I love this 50 thing in a lot of ways. Just sorry, I'm 50. I forgot. Sorry, I'm 50. I didn't hear you. Sorry, I'm 50. (laughs) (laughs) The Prasad's back there, Sister. Allie's pregnant, due in a couple of months, due on November 1st, but I think they ought to give it 24 hours, just November the 2nd, that would be. There's no pregnant woman. There's no woman. I've heard, apparently, there are some women that enjoy being pregnant. I've heard they're apparently the one I live with. She didn't enjoy being pregnant. I can't tell you I understand cuz I ain't never been pregnant. And oh boy. Why in why on God's green earth a man would ever want to be pregnant? Only is because he's never been around Someone that was pregnant and gone through watching the process of birth anyway that that's not that's not the goal I, we we don't we don't remember the womb <laughs> we don't remember the womb because the room the womb was preparation for birth. Everything that took place in that approximate nine months was to prepare for this life. How amazing is it that God gave every one of us a personal experience of what this life is all about. Because this life is really only the second womb. It's not the destination. What's kind of amazing is if you get to the right destination, you won't remember anything in this life either. Everything that seems to be such a horrible thing you've been through, if you can make it to the to the life that you ought to make it to, eternal life, all of it's just going to be forgotten about in in just a single moment. This is only preparation for eternal life. The sad thing is we were prepared in the womb for a short life, but this womb is to prepare us for eternal life. Oh, Jesus Really a sad thing, because there has there's a lot of Christianity that has become more and more focused with improving this life than in preparing us for the next life I'm, I'm going to say that again there 's a lot of Christianity that 's become more and more focused on preparing or excuse me for improving this life than it is preparing us for the next life i i 'm sorry to tell you, but i 'm not sorry to tell you if you came this morning looking for just a good motivational speech to help you feel a little bit better and maybe get you through this coming week, you came to the wrong church there 's plenty of places if that 's what you want, you can go but i 'm way more interested in not helping you get through this week i'm more interested in knowing that when you stand before jesus christ one day that you're able to hear him say well done thou good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the lord that's what's more important Listen to what I, I've referenced this Psalm so many times in my years of preaching. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I believe Psalm 73 is a Psalm that every believer needs to have a a good level of familiarity with, because I believe Psalm 73 is an experience that not not just that we go through one time. But I believe Psalm 73 is an experience we go through many times throughout our lives. The psalmist says this in verse number 1, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, but as for me, my feet, we're almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I, 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 there's some things I know, but there's—I I was walking walking out through the garage yesterday, and there was a little piece of paper on the on the floor on the concrete, and I stepped on that piece of paper, and my steps well nigh slipped. I thankfully I caught myself before I went down. most of us at some point have almost fallen, and many of us have fallen. That's what the psalmist said. He, he said, there, there's, there, there, there's some things I know. I know that God is good to Israel. I know that. But as for me, am I preaching to anybody this morning that's willing to admit today? I, I know God's good to the church. And I know God's good to other people. And, and I know some things, but as for me, there's some times I, I was almost going down. Why? Because I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Is there, is there really even a God? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Anybody ever seen that? Anybody ever noticed that in the media and social media? It seems like those that they've already got it and they're some of the worst. They get get more good stuff. (laughs) Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. have wasted my time with this god thing. anybody know what he's talking about? Anybody willing to be honest this morning? There've been a few times you why am I why am I doing this? Why am I living my life for what the word of why look at look at what it's getting me? Have I cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency? For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak, thus behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, when I got to thinking about all of this, it was too painful for me. It was, it was, more, it was more than I could take. I was overwhelmed. I I was depressed. I was ready to give up and throw in the towel. What's the point? Until. Until. Until I got into the sanctuary of God. When I got into the presence of God. All of that stuff that I was struggling with and all of those feelings I was dealing with. When I got into the presence of God, something changed. When I got in the presence of God, something happened. I I started feeling differently than I felt. I, I started seeing things differently. And so what happened? The psalmist said, one thing changed. I understood therein. When I got in his presence, my perspective got readjusted. I started seeing things clearly when I got in his presence. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. I just started seeing things differently. Can I tell you the greatest need that you have today is not for God to change your circumstances. It's for God to change your perspective. We get so consumed with feeling like the only way for me to feel better, the only way for me to have joy, the only way for me to have happiness is for my circumstances to change. I've come to tell you today that is not the case at all. What you need rather than a change of your circumstances, you simply need a change of your perspective. Because when you've got the right perspective, you can be in negative circumstances and be okay. The flip side is... If you don't have the right perspective, you can be in the best of circumstances and not be okay. It's amazing. It's usually not the people that have the least that are the most ungrateful. Oftentimes it's the people that have the most. That are the most unpleasant to be around. Because they've got the wrong perspective. Nothing's ever good enough. Nothing ever satisfies. Nothing. <laughs> the first video game we ever owned. It was called Vectrex. It was this little box. It was about that tall, that wide. The screen was about two-thirds of that. It had this controller that was about shaped about like that, one little tiny joystick, and it had like four different buttons. To get color for it, Chris, it had these little screens. you change out this plastic-tinted screen. That was color. It had a football game, and the teams were literally, not figuratively, literally X's and O's. And now, if you're in another room and somebody is playing Madden or NBA 2K, you've got no idea whether they're playing a game or watching a game. Sounds like it's... A live game, and then you look at the players, and they look like the players. They make they make celebration moves like the players. Man, we'd come. I thought, I thought, I thought uh, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball was something. Hi, Brian, I, I thought that, but now it's, man, it's. I mean, the bottom line is, years ago, there was the way they made video games was really good enough. But the problem is, you don't make money that way. And they know, every time there's a new system, or a new game, the old one is no longer good enough. Because that's life. A new house is not what you need. A new car is not going to fix it. A new spouse is not going to fix it. A new boyfriend or a new girlfriend might fix it. But when you say I do, the only thing fixing is the person you look in the mirror at. Ain't no trading in on the newer one. Doesn't matter. That new car smell's gonna wear off. And somebody's gonna be driving down the road in the newer model of it. And yours is not gonna be good enough anymore if you got the wrong perspective. But if somehow you allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to determine your perspective, you may, you may have some times where you almost slip. But when the presence of God gets to working and gets you recalibrated, it's gonna be okay. Because whatever I'm going through here, Here and now is only temporal. Paul said that we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen because the things which are seen are temporal and the things which are not seen are eternal whatever it is you're going through right now is temporary I don't care if it even lasts most of your lifetime it's temporary because there is coming a day and Revelation says it like this in Revelation 21 and 1 I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea I got to tell you I don't want to make anybody mad but I don't believe in global warming I'm not, not looking for a response one way or the other I don't believe in global warming I believe in something much bigger than global warming and I was just I think it was brother Mike and I just the other day we were chat, got on the chat about this I find it very interesting that all of those that believe in global warming warning, yeah, warming and climate change and all that, they, they 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 believe there's only a limited amount of time left that humanity can survive. It's kind of kinda of interesting if you take all of that and then you compare it to this. Because they're really not so wrong in principle. They're just wrong in explanation. Because according to this and what it says, I believe it's not going to be a whole lot longer before there's going to be a trumpet that sounds and the church is going to be raptured from this earth and we're going to enter into eternal life. It's pretty interesting that those two things coincide. There's an ending, but it's not because of global warming. There's going to be a new heaven, and there's going to be a new earth. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God." and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Is there anybody here today that you know what it's like to have to wipe away your own tears? Anybody been through some stuff that you know what it's like to shed your own tears and wipe them away? Well, the revelation of John says there's coming a day when God, You're not going to have to wipe your own tears away anymore. But God is going to wipe away all tears. And there will be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. That's what Lazarus was carried to. And that's what the rich man lost when he was buried. He may have had some things in this life that he fared sumptuously on, but when it came to the end, he lost. You may be losing today, but if your life is not being lived for this life, there will be a day. There will be a day. There will be a day. Oh, I, I, I know we're all sitting here. Not only are we sitting here on a Sunday morning, but we're sitting here on a Sunday morning of a holiday weekend. But I'm going to tell you, you can show up to church every Sunday morning. You can show up to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Thursday night. Go to an Oikos group and do all of that. And still not be living for eternity as your priority. I I was thinking about it the other day. There was there was some circumstances that I was involved in that just had me. Ever ever, uh, you know, imagine situation you're going to be in, and you just sort of play out what you think some of the topics or conversations might be. Anybody? Looks like another service. We need a prayer line because we got a lot of limbs that don't work. So I was I was playing through my mind some scenarios that I thought I might come across and and so I was thinking through what my response would be. And and I guess here's here's I'll give you this, and some of you this may not really even help you, but some of you it'll help you at least. I got the here here's what the difference between just sort of showing up to church, even with some regularity, showing up to church. But it's not really your pride. God, not church, God. God is not really your priority. Versus what it's like to to make God your priority. And I'm not sure this is the absolute best example. But I I think it it works okay. Since 12 years old, my dad and I started playing golf at 12 years old. I was 12. He wasn't 12. He was a little older. So for 48 plus years now, I've been, I play golf. I play golf. I said 48. 38? Wow. What's another 10 at this point? I, I was all impressed that I was Going with the higher number too. See, I'm 50. Sorry, but you see, golf for me is uh, when I go every now and then, brother boy. I go and play. Sometimes I, I may go weeks and never play but if you want to know, what I'm, I'm a golfer. I may only play two or three times in the whole year, but I'm a golfer. I don't get paid. Nobody's signing me to an endorsement. Because while I may be a golfer, there's a big difference between what I do what Tiger Woods does. He has lived his life consumed. In fact, his life and many others, it revolves around golf. Golf is one of the planets in the solar system of my life. For them, it's their life. And so they've made millions and millions Every day, they hit hundreds, if not thousands, of golf balls practicing. They go from tournament to tournament. There's a big difference between me and what I get referred to in the golf world as would be a weekend hacker. It's just somebody that every now and then, there's a big difference in those two. There's a big difference between those that just show up every now and then, talk to God every now and then, versus those whose lives are lived with Him as the number one priority. I didn't say church was the number The problem, so many people have is we feel like, and I've been there and struggled, and I'm no, I'm not the only one. We feel like that ought to get us a lot of perks here and now. I mean, God, if I'm going to make you the priority of my life, then surely everything should. Be. Some have known, some know this; it's trickled out some, but. issues, the beginning of the year, ended up with surgery in the beginning of May, right? April. I can't do math, and I can't keep track of the calendars. Surgery back in April, disectomy. That surgery seems to have been a success, but now since the uh, beginning of July, she's having other neck issues. She's basically said it. i basically This is all there is. This is the worst. Attitude and a spirit that says, "Whatever I go through here and now, whatever difficulties and tragedies and turmoil I may face, whatever I've got to live with here and now, it's okay." Because one day I'm going to be carried. I'm going to be carried to a place where there's no more tears. loss there's no more suffering there's no more crisis there's no more tragedy and in just just a single moment every negative thing in this life is going to be just forgotten holiday weekend message. miserable journey I may have to deal with all kind of hardships on this journey but there is a destination that's going to make it all worthwhile I want to open this altar and I want to do it this way whether you're a guest I just wonder if there's anybody in this place that you'd be willing, maybe for some of you, it would be the first time, you've never really done it before, and others, it would be a recommitment. But is there anybody here today you're willing to once again make a commitment to the Lord? Lord, I'm not here living for this life. I don't want to be like that rich man that had everything there was you could ask for, had the best of everything in this life to get to the end. And now it's an eternity of misery. I want to be able, God, whatever I've got to go through, whatever you may allow in my life, whatever whatever heartache, whatever pain, whatever tragedy I may face, I right perspective, God, that this is all temporary. Everything I'm dealing with here, everything I'm going through now, it's all temporary. If I got to live with sickness, if I got to live with pain in my body, there's a day that's coming where there's not going to be any more pain, any more sickness. God, if I if i got to live with finances that there seems like there's barely enough to scrape by week after week, month after month, year after year. If if that's the way i got to live in this life, that's okay because there's there's coming a day where i'm going to be carried. I'm going to be escorted to a place where there will be no more more heartache. In this place today that is above, going through the struggles that the psalmist went through that I read. I don't care how long ago it was that you were born again and filled with his spirit, life life causes us to go through seasons and times where our steps may start to slip. maybe on the verge of throwing in the towel and just giving up on it all but if i can just get in his presence again i can just get in his presence again my my thinking will be adjusted my perspective will be changed if you don't feel or don't need to respond for yourself right now would you would you let the Lord use you to minister to someone else? Whether that's someone that's come down to this altar, or maybe it's just somebody that's sitting nearby you. If you don't need to pray for yourself, would you be sensitive to let the Lord use you to pray for someone else? The enemy is so good. I, don't want to, I hate giving the devil credit enemy is so good at getting us to get caught up and focused on what's going on in this life he's so good at getting us distracted with this life so that we are tempted we just give up. what's the point God why am I do, why am I trying to live a pure holy godly life what's it getting me I'm looking around at all those that don't seem to think twice about You. I'm looking around at all of those that don't care about You. Your Word seems like life is good for them. Things are going well for them, God. If you choose to take the pain away from my body, if you choose to keep me from sickness, if you choose for me to prosper financially, so be it. It's not really about this life. To be carried. I want to be ready to be escorted to that place of peace and joy, eternal happiness. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be the center. Jesus be the center of it all. You to revolve around me. I don't want you to revolve around my life. I want you to be the center of me. I want my life to revolve around you. It's just a vapor. Lord, this is all just a vapor. paper but there's a life that's coming